We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by Nick Leckie and Tucker Franklin. And this show, as all our shows are, is brought to you by Jack Stack Barbecue. Go to jackstackbbq.com. Whether you're in Kansas City or whether you are around the country, they ship nationwide and you can get yourself some good Jack Stack Barbecue. And there's nothing that goes better at barbecue than some chiefs football and guys we are getting so much closer to that now that guys have started reporting we see guys in kind of like in pads doing some football related things which means football is right around the corner we got to be excited about that but uh nick i'm just excited to see your face now i think for the third week in a row we have recorded an episode which is a record for us for the off season and that can only mean that football is getting closer how have you been my friend i've been good i've been good i've been monitoring that struggle bj because i know that you wanted to record all the time and I'm like, we don't need to. <laughs> so we had to say, so this is a good, it was a good merger. It was a good compromise that, that we're able to do this now and, and get uh, a street going. And, and so I'm, I'm three years in, we figured it out. Guys. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but still not perfect, but, but I, I like the, uh, the addition of blind nil too. I think it's a good section. I think it is. And, and just like when, uh, when you did, uh, outside the trenches or inside the trenches. And then when we switch to this show and you're like outside the trenches, I'm like, that's dumb. And you're like, it's a working title. <laughs> it's, gonna stick. it's true. It's going to stick. Now I know when like people look back, they go, I never liked the title of our company, you know, but they're like, whatever, it's like 50 years deep or something like that. You think about it a lot in the moment and then you stop thinking about it. You do. Yeah. Correct. Cause you're like, it's, it's irrelevant. Like, let's just go. Let's, we don't need a title. Let's go. Tucker, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Nick. I'm doing great. Um, enjoyed my Sunday. Watched some Olympics. Gymnastics was on on Sunday. Swimming was on. Katie Ledecky got the silver just before we hopped on to record this podcast. Got the swimming, the gymnastics. Basketball lost in the morning. Um, that was kind of a big shocker. Lost to France. Uh, that that whole team is in shambles. Like if, according to Twitter, if you if you ask Twitter, USA basketball is in shambles and it can't re- and it can't recover. Everything in the world is in shambles. If it was up to Twitter, that's true. That's true. But no, I'm doing good. I'm 
I'm really soaking up these Olympics just before we get into the training camp. You know, it's just a that little bit of sports injection that I needed to tide me over to Chiefs football. And and I can't wait to be out at camp later on this week. So, but BJ, how was your week? How how are you doing? It was good. I I actually think it it kind of was terrible timing for the Olympics for us and our family because we're doing a lot of like events and we've just been out running around and we've got a lot of different things going on. So we're not home a lot. So we haven't watched much of the Olympics, which stinks because my wife and I love watching the Olympics. Um, so that part is kind of stunk, but uh, I've got a lot of cool stuff planned and it's a lot of planning this week for that party coming up next Saturday. So anyone out there who is listening, Nick is shaking his head because he is out of town and unable to make it uh, because, you know, Families take vacations the last week in July in the middle of the summer. Uh, but if for those of you who haven't and might still want to go, and this sounds like a good time, come up to Weston, Missouri to the Holiday Distillery and join us for our uh, launch party, KCSN kickoff 2021. It doesn't cost you anything, but you got to get on and register uh, because the event is capped. There's only about 35, 36 tickets left, Tucker. I haven't looked at it today, uh, but there's less than 50 tickets remain, which means more than 200 people um, are already on their way out there. Should be a whole lot of fun. But guys, before we get into the blind nil uh, segment of this show, which for anyone listening, the last couple shows, uh, we each brought a question that we're going to use as a segment, talk 10, 12 minutes each, and we don't know what everyone else's segment is. So it's going to be fun. But before we get to that, guys, real quick, uh, I want to know, Nick, what's one veteran storyline type thing that you're looking forward to kind of playing out over the next few days as the Chiefs veterans report to St. Joe for training camp uh, and really kick this thing off? And you start seeing those visuals and it feels like football is coming because you're so much closer. But as a former player, guy who played in the league for six years and the Chiefs getting ready, try to get back to the Super Bowl again to avenge that loss to the Bucks. What are you looking forward to as the vets report this week? Visually and and for for veterans, I'm looking to see who's going to take up Anthony Sherman's stunt role. Who's going to make a grand entrance? That's that's what I'm. That's what's on top of Nick Lecky's mind as we enter a miserable time a year in training camp. And I still have tons of PTSD around this time because it was such a. I was robbed of my summer, and it's like now you got to go get your body beat up and nerves get all racked and, and have some fun playing football. But at the same time, it's beat down your body. And there's always one dumbass veteran locker room who'd say, this is the best your body's going to feel all season. And I was like, I hate you for having that much truth in one sentence. Yeah. Coach, coach Reed says that at every press conference, like right before the first day of pads, because like he looks forward to it. And it's one thing I remember talking to like Derek Johnson about like a few years at like later, of like, you know, you're a young reporter. It's like, hey, you get the pads on. You excited? Like, get you out there and play football. And you just think they're going to be like, yeah, like want to get out there and hit. And they're just like, no. <laughs> like, no. Like, that hurts. Like, we don't have to do it, but I'm not going to say we enjoy yeah. it. It's just part of the deal. Um, but, Tucker, what are, you, what are you looking forward to as camp and, and, and vets get ready to report? I think kind of in the, in the similar vein as Nick, I'm really looking forward to the stories of – who's coming in overweight and who's lost so much weight over the summer. I don't know if you guys uh, like to uh, look at all the pictures that they post on, on like Instagram or Twitter. I like to look and see like, okay, 
Patrick Mahomes looking a little slim right now. Um, you know, you got you got guys coming in. Oh, he's look like he's gained a little bit of weight. You know, Chris, that was a big one. Chris Jones looking a little slim. He wants to play on the end a little bit. Looks like he lost some weight. That was a big thing with Big Ben. Remember, he shaved his beard. And now everyone's like, look how skinny he is. Well, he just shaved his beard. <laughs> I saw those two pictures <laughs> side by side. I thought it was this. He looked the exact same. Yeah, he's just like, shaved oh, his Ben's on a diet. I'm like, I don't notice anything differently between these two pictures. But I'm not going to say anything because Twitter will eviscerate me for being wrong about something. But it's like, I don't get it. That's what you call a veteran move right there. <laughs> Hasn't touched a weight all summer. But guess what? Nope. Shaved his beard. Oh, my God, you've lost weight. What, what's, what's the difference? It's an optical I, illusion, yeah. Michael. Nick, I love the point about Sherman just because for anyone who's ever been in media and covered like training camp in those first couple of days, uh, people can make fun of it like, oh, he's making a big deal of like showing it up. When you're covering a bunch of grown men, like going to a college dorm and like carrying pillows and blankets – into a dorm for like four hours like in the middle of it's always like 108 degrees there uh it's not a very exciting thing to do other than like hey we're here it's exciting like season starting but the actual like activity of it is really not that much fun so when you have something like sherman is going to do something a little weird gives you something kind of to look forward to uh with that so yeah i love the point of seeing who's going to do that and then tucker love the uh the storylines that you can pull out of wherever you can regarding who looks good who doesn't look good uh and what does that mean uh and you know i'm gonna kind of be the nerdy one i'm really excited and i'm interested to see what tyron matthew has to say when he talks to the media i think tyron's a professional he's going to say a lot of things we know there's contract talks going on and anyone who follows tyron matthew on social media you're going to understand what i'm saying and anyone who's not on social media is gonna be like what in the hell is he talking about Let's just say that Tyron seems to be tweeting through a lot of things that he's thinking. And a lot of times as fans, we attribute all of that to it has to be about contract negotiations. It means this. It's not always the case, and I'm not saying that it is. There's a really good chance that it is in a lot of cases, but don't always make that connection because sometimes players could do that intentionally. So you think it's about one thing, and it's really not about that at all, and they're just messing with you. Don't have any clue if that's the case, but I am interested to see what Tyron has to say just because that is a player that you want to take care of. And I have been on record, Tucker and Nick, with all of us uh, of saying what Tyron Matthew means to this team. And I'm generally a half-glass-full kind of person. Uh, it's the reason I got hired to be a digital cheerleader for the Chiefs for six years. Um, but when it comes to taking care of Tyron Matthew, I will be the first one to stand up and say that is a guy that is going to earn every penny that he gets and will probably be underpaid no matter what you get him. That guy changed everything for the Chiefs defense. You don't win a Super Bowl without the what he was able to step in and do. Patrick Mahomes can be the greatest player in NFL history. Tyron Matthew changed everything for the defense. And in the middle of that season, Mexico City, some of those games, he was his energy and his leadership got us through some of those tough games. So um, that's a guy you want to take care of. So I'm curious to see when he gets the mic for the first time and he's asked questions by the media who are looking at the same tweets that all of us have. Uh, what does he say? What does it mean about his future in Kansas City? And uh, do they come to an agreement to make him one of the highest paid safeties again in the league, um, being kind of one of the catalysts to the Super Bowl? So, guys, real quick, give you a chance to follow up on that. But that's what I'm excited about uh, when they do media for the first time because it'll be this boring training camp stuff. But when Tyron speaks, he's going to get asked questions about his tweets, and I'm curious to see what he says. Yeah, you can only go so far with a great offense, and you need that counterpoint. Or you know, you know, since Tyron Matthews been here, you know, they haven't uh, done the, uh, the the Monday night or the Sunday night Rams 
uh, Rams and Chiefs shootout. You know, that shit doesn't happen anymore with this defense. Been to the Super Bowl twice. They're AFC champs with Tyron Matthew. So yeah, you pay that guy. Tucker, thoughts? I just kind of similarly, there's a lot of different storylines when people come to the podium for the first time, like Frank Clark, like what, what's going to, yeah. what, what was he get to say there? Um, probably not a whole lot just because of an ongoing legal issue. He's probably going to be advised not to say anything. So I wouldn't get to that's a press conference that. right there. Like yeah. everybody, well, you don't yeah, need to listen to it. it. There it is. <laughs> I just gave it to you. But yeah, there's a lot of guys like that, that, you know, they're going to get to the podium and you're going to be like, Oh, what are they going to say now? Um, but we get a, got a little taste of the rookies already. It's fun to see some of those guys like Cornell Powell joking around about how he's like, man, you need to bring a mattress pad when you come here because um, he hadn't slept very well. But, uh, yeah, the, those first press conferences, basically that the end of the drought of content is like it's like when the floodwaters open, you know, like in holes when the, when it starts raining. Uh, when when they're digging all the holes and then they finally get the treasure and it starts to rain, that's what it's like in the first press conferences. BJ, have you, you seen that, that reference? No, that I've reference? never seen that movie. I've I have seen not that seen that movie, before. but I'm a big Shia LaBeouf fan. But it's mm-hmm. on my list. It's on my list. So was that a spoiler alert, Tucker? Yeah, no, it, it for sure was. Um, <laughs> holes is my favorite book to watch, though. So, I mean, um, I, I, will, I wrote whoa, so many whoa, book reports whoa. over that movie. So, was it a book first? Yeah, yeah, it's a book. Really? I didn't think they did that. Tucker, I think you should be insulted that Nick didn't know that, and you guys should have it out right here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Guess what, Tucker? I'm going to read the book now. I'm going to read the book now. It's an easy read, quick read. Um, I I don't think it's a children's book, but I read it in like fourth grade. Well, I don't know if I actually read it. I did a book report over it. I think I watched the movie first. All right, this, <laughs> this, this podcast is going we down digress. a hole. We're bringing this back. We're bringing this back. All right, so here we go. Time for Blind Nil. Blind These nil. are the segments. Oh, wait. Explain, Nick, bu- explain Blind Nil if, if yeah. you're a first-time listener. I was going to if you didn't rudely interrupt me, Nick. Sorry, I'm a dick. I was, you know what? Before you said that, I was just about to say we've only got, what, I think, $3 so far in the swear jar, and I think we were up to like 18 over like the last two episodes. So let's try to keep this a little bit more PC. Okay. Okay. I can do so, that. So, all right, here's what blind nil is. And this is where we're trying different formats with this show. We've talked about that before because there's so many great podcasts on the KC sports network with the laboratory with Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Those guys are breaking things down twice a week. Uh, we've got outside the trenches here. And then Mike DeVito and Jeff Allen have their show one-on-one, uh, which is starting to go weekly starting this week. You will get content from those guys every single week and we've also got a live post game show coming to you that we haven't got all of the details quite ready to announce but just know that we will have a live post game show along with another podcast on our network that's going to have a lot of chief stuff as well so plenty of chief stuff uh before we get into the blind nail uh even more i've got another psa here um we're just going right off the top these guys are laughing because we just go right off the top of our head but when it comes to KC Sports Network and we talk about all the cool things that we're doing, uh, we do ask that if you want to support us, if you're listening to the show right now and you love what we have going on, please tell your friends about this. Uh, and it's not just like, hey, tell everybody about us. This is you know, how we grow as a company. I want to tell you why that's how we grow as a company, because we are a new sports media network. And normally in sports media news, when you have news, you use the media to amplify that message and then you get a lot of information out there quickly. 
if you're a new sports media network, other sports media networks aren't necessarily going to promote everything that you're doing. Not to say that they're not cool about it, but word of mouth and people talking and liking the content that we're doing is the biggest way that we grow in this. So uh, we appreciate that. And one way we are trying to grow is by offering different types of shows and different types of content. So again, we've got the lab, we've got the post game show, we've got all these cool different types of shows and with this one with outside the trenches we are trying some more deeper conversations about just a handful of topics and the way we're doing it with the blind nil is each one of us brings a different topic and we talk about it for maybe 10 minutes or so until we all feel pretty comfortable about our takes being out there and again we are surprising each other and we don't know them so that is blind nil that's what we've got and i will never i don't like the phrase bright blind nil nick i brought that up last time because i feel like we're bringing in different sports just like i'm about to out you when you texted me earlier that you're going to go to the royals match yeah. you texted royals match yes yes it's explain yourself before we go into your segment because i can't handle it i use the term match because it's uh, it's a slow process but I'm slowly, I'm slowly going to convert America from from saying when when I say football, no, I'm talking about like Chelsea uh, in England and and they use the soccer ball. When I say football, like footy, football, and then I'm slowly going to convert the world to uh, how they do it in England, where games are matches because matches just sounds like fun. Like why do you hate the word soccer? Game. It just sounds stupid. It sounds childish. You're trying to it's retire not, the word soccer. Let's not make it about right. football. You're trying to go anti-soccer. I'm trying to the, – the word soccer. I love soccer. It's my favorite sport. You hate soccer. No, it's my favorite sport. I love it with all my heart. Sorry. I, I the hate word, the word soccer. The word soccer. Yes. <laughs> I'm just media twisting it up. Don't worry about it. I know it. you are. <laughs> so what segment do you got for us? My blind nil with, with K-State about to be blasted into oblivion. Uh, the conference realignments, I, I would like to do two things. I would like two thoughts. What does college football look like 10 years from now? And then what does, what, how did we get here? So you can choose to answer whatever question floats your boat better. Who do you want to go first? Who would like to volunteer class? I'll go first. Just because my my th I've thought about this a lot and I've got two quick questions. Re repeat the question, the first one. I'll give you the first answer, and then we'll go to the second one in case we go off. What does college football look like ten years from now? I think we do have like four mega conferences. I think there's going to be like a f the power is shifting now. I won't go as far to say as the NCA is going to be completely dismantled. Um, I think there's going to be a governing body that you always have to have that the NCAA kind of oversees. But I think these conferences and these schools, just like players are understanding the value and like the leverage that they have. I think schools and conferences are starting to think the same kind of thing, which will bleed into my next question, because I know what that is regarding how did we get here? I think the NCAA made some key mistakes or they could have fixed a lot of these issues 10, 15, 20 years ago by making small changes to kind of benefit the athlete a little bit more than drawing this hard stance that was just kind of tone deaf. And it just pissed off enough people that Ed O'Bannon went and got a lawyer and these guys got a lawyer saying, no, don't tell us that we're wrong about you guys making billions of dollars and us not getting any piece of it. Don't throw education in our face for 20 years because eventually it's like, yes, an education is something, but we're talking billions over here. Let's not say that this is an even playing field. So I think it's going to be mega conferences. I still think the NCAA will be involved in some regard. Um, 
But when it comes to K-State, I just, I hope, because when it comes to revenue and all of that, they are in the top 64, if it's 64, if it's four conferences of 20. But to say that they're a shoe-in for like a major conference, I don't think that's the case. I think they have things that are working against them. I do think they have things that are working for them um, that a lot of non-K-State fans want to not talk about. It's just a, it's not a conversation you can have on Twitter. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, but that being said, I don't think they're a shoe in either way. And that's why among, there's only maybe a couple other schools that are kind of in a similar boat that K-State is and Iowa State just geographically in a little bit better spot to get scooped up with, you know, the big 10 or whatever, whatever else they have going on. But worries me a little bit that I think the NCAA could have done a lot more 10 or 15 years ago by making little small changes about players being able to make money off you know, signing events or whatever it was. I know it's a slippery slope, but we got here because they didn't want to make small decisions. They just wanted to kind of pass the buck, and here we are. They definitely, yeah. Right away, Tucker. I think that I'm I'm kind of in this in the same boat as you, BJ. I saw somebody make a graphic about kind of the alignment and everything. I don't remember who made it. I wish I do so I could give them credit, but um, it was basically breaking up the country geographically and yes. basically saying, you know, the SEC, it's the uh, it's the SEC, it's the ACC, or the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So it's those four right there, and then within those you have like four divisions, kind of like the NFL, four team divisions. So it's North east southwest um and then basically you basically have a little playoff to determine the winner of those and then you have a play then the winner of those four conferences go and play in the college football playoff and i think that's probably the most um uh i guess you could say fair way to do it in in college football in terms of the playoff everyone talking about expanding the college football playoff maybe this is a way you get to expand the college football playoff by having these more conference tournament type things to play in to the the college football playoff where you are playing in the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl to get into the national championship. So I think that it's it's a big money greed thing, right? That's why these schools want to go to these different conferences so they can get more money. Um, stop me if you've ever heard that before. The NCAA cares about money. Um, but So when you look at that, you're like, yeah, of course OU and Texas want to go to the SEC. They can make more revenue there. Um, they can make more TV deals there. And, and it's just it's just stuff like that. Uh, and it's it's one of those things that's um, I think that we're heading in that direction of, of mega conferences. And I think the the gap between the power five and the group of five is about to get a whole lot bigger. Um, and it's, it's because of money is really the reason why. Yeah. So to, to answer my own question, 10, 10 years from now, where we're at is what March Madness did for NC2A basketball. We're gonna have we're gonna have winter madness, December madness, something where shorten up the season just a little bit. And if you could if you could say like we're gonna have primo games for all of December and New Year's, yeah. who the hell wouldn't want that? I mean, God, why why the hell? You want to talk about moneymaker? Jesus Christ, it's just, you, just you can picture it. I mean, you those pods of four, and you've got sixteen of them, and you win your pod of four, and you make the round of sixteen. So making the college football playoff, a sixteen team like Sweet Sixteen, everybody who wins their conference of four wins their division, wins the mm-hmm. AFC West or the Big Twelve West or whatever they call it. 
uh, whatever the four mega conferences end up being. I think from a football perspective, it makes all the sense in the world for it to kind of be set up that way where everyone feels like they have a fair, even shot to go. And that would be a hell of a fun tournament to watch play out. Now with basketball, it's a little different because you'd want some like Cinderella type schools getting a yeah. chance to get inside of that. And I don't know what that would look like. Football is a little bit different. I don't think some outside of the top 64 power five conference is going to come in there and do some damage. <laughs> yeah. um, but that being said, I, I don't know. Uh, Nick, not to hijack your I do have a question for you real quick, piggybacking yeah. on this. Do you want to see the big 12 try to survive by picking up Cincinnati, BYU, whatever, whatever people, there's a million ideas out there. Or do you want the Big 12 to just dissolve and like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, you find like your Thunder Buddy? Like you find your like, <laughs> what is it? I saw, a, I saw, no, I saw a meme. I saw a meme the other day that it was Crush from like Finding Nemo. And it was like, find your, like your eject buddy. And it was like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. And it's like KUK State. Like the conference is going, like find your buddy. Um, uh, but it's like find 14. Your families, right? Drive off a cliff. Yeah, but if like four teams left to go to the Pac-12 together or four teams left to go to the Big Ten and the Big 12 basically just completely dissolved and all of those teams basically found a new home, whether Baylor, Texas, however that's all split up, do you want to see the Big 12 survive in some form or fashion? Or do you want to see those schools just kind of dissipate and quit quit putting a Band-Aid over it? Yeah, I, I think I think Bowlesby has done a shit job of of running the Big 12, to be honest with you. And I just think that when when he did the whole like the oh they're 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 co-champions right and then or when they i forget what year it was and then they screwed someone it was oklahoma or something like they had won the head to head but they said oh no but you're just co-champions now and they screwed him out of a, of a playoff spot i was like <laughs> you just undermined yourself with your rules like wh why would you do that and to pander that much to to texas you know, did, I, I'd be curious to see who broke up the Southwest Conference. Uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma broke up the Big 12 Conference, and you can't pander to them, right? Say, like, listen, yeah. man, you know, you're the rich kid with all the cool toys, but you're not that great at football. You've had one good year with Vince Young recently, and you've been mediocre. You've been underperforming. You know, Oklahoma, I get. You know, they've been really good, and they want to get better in the SEC. Go for it. But I also think that conferences, I don't want to see – the NFL equivalent of the NFC East, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that annoys yeah. the shit out of me that I get it's old school. You want Dallas, you want the Washington, uh, and you want, you know, those guys in the same conference or whatever, but it's, it's dumb. It needs to be yeah. regional. It needs to be regional. Tucker, Straight what is up. your take on the realignment in the Texas and all of that? Cause I, I have a take and I, I don't know if I've heard this one yet, but it's pretty, it's warmish. Yeah. I, 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 you think you kind of look at Texas and you think, okay, that's that's a common denominator with a lot of these conference realignments. Is you know, ne Nebraska always wanted out as soon as Texas got in, and Mizzou wanted out with Texas when Texas got in. So it was kind of the, those things back in the old Big Twelve. If kind of Texas was the problem. Now Texas wants out of that. Texas broke up the Southwest Conference. I always thought they should do just like a conference of teams in Texas, because uh, there's plenty of schools to do it that way, um, just to do it like that. But. I don't know. I th I, Nick, I think you hit the nail on the head. If they're if they're too soft to deal with the horns down, they're not going to be able to hang in the SEC for very long. Um, so I, I don't know what they're thinking on that, on that front. Hey guys, yeah. I think that's an admission. That goes right into my point, Tucker. And you guys tell me if I'm out to lunch on this, but it almost seems like an admission of 
we aren't who we thought we were and we can't. And when you look at revenue and I'm going to try to articulate this point as best I can, because when you look at revenue, I understand where Texas and Oklahoma, what what they were thinking and that you look at the revenue and K-State fans, KU fans, we can talk about, we won this game. We won that game. Just look at the money. Just look at the revenue that Texas does like $110 million a year. And I could be wrong on these numbers, but it's something like this. It's like $110 million for Texas, like $95 million for Oklahoma. And then like the next school is like 40. Like it's that stark of a difference of how big those brands are, how much they're worth and what they do for the conference, just from what they bring in when you are K-State and you host Oklahoma. K-State fans don't want to hear it, but that's valuable. And that having those blue bloods for the football, it matters. And Texas knows that value matters, but it's infuriating for fans. because You haven't won anything. That brand is still really, really valuable. And what I think Texas has done is they said, you know what? Our value isn't in our ability to say we're Texas and we're going to go win a bunch of games. Now our value is as our name and our name going and playing K-State can't make us as much money to raise that revenue by winning those games. So if we're going to go five and five or we're barely going to compete anyway, we might as well make those games against Alabama and Florida because we can raise that revenue by losing a close game to Florida more than we can lose a close game to K-State. I think it's a revenue thing in Texas. Like we might not go dominate the sec and we might lose more games but we'll make more money and if we're going to be average we might as well be average over there instead of being the big dog over here with all these other problems looking at what texas a&m is doing what all these other schools are doing some you got to tell me if i'm wrong but that's kind of where i think texas may just say like you know what we can't be the big dog anymore we might as well go try to make some more money and play some bigger games and if we have a good season it's going to make us a ton of money that one year out of eight or nine where they are a top 10 team and they play alabama like that that stretch of games, I think, will make them so much money it'll make up for it. But that's my warmish take. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's I think it's spot on. I really do. And then also, side note, uh, I heard that Nick Saban spoke at the uh, Texas High School Coaches Conference, no. and he said his his quarterback, who has yet to even start a game yet, is making seven figures. Yes. Yep. Here's a good point. I was talking to my my. Uh, but there's no such thing as a marketing guarantee, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Reggie Bush should be mad. <laughs> so stupid. They, one of my doctors told me, he go, he heard that and he goes, huh, he should probably have to pay for a scholarship now. And I was like, I kind of agree with that. Do you guys, is that, Ooh. I mean, what do you guys think about like, I mean, if you're making $100,000 a year, it's like, bro, you have to pay for your scholarship. And you know what? Maybe, I don't know, give the scholarship to a student uh, you know, help yeah. out, you know, like help pay for books or some with students. Like, what do you, I mean, is that, that sounds logical as hell. We're going to bring this back around to chiefs okay. content people. We're yeah, going to yeah. finish up this thought because it is interesting though. And Tucker, uh, if you have anything on this, please pick it up. Cause I, I saw, and I think it was a attorney. I don't want to say his name in case it is the wrong person, but I think I saw something on LinkedIn, uh, where they were talking about like NIL content and all this, where, the the tax implications for these players who get these scholarships to go play football based on certain income levels um and it's not like it's has it doesn't have to do with like individual people it has to do with like the way scholarships are written and the way that they're presented from like a state level where there's something about all of a sudden this player gets like two hundred thousand dollars over here he won't qualify for that kind of scholarship the way that it's written and it's just like there are so many legalities the way certain things are written 
that those are the messes that we haven't even gotten into yet where some lawyer somewhere is going to read something and it's just gonna be like, this is, this contradicts all this other stuff. Like this makes this a problem. And I can't remember, I'm going to go find that. Cause I think it, it's one of those like, Hey, we're going to run into some problems. And that's another one, Nick, which is a great point about the taxes, the scholarships, the money coming in. How does all that fit together uh, with students who are getting state funded assistance to go to a state school? Like, different deal. That much all right. Cash, man. It's, yeah. yeah. Tucker. Yeah, that's blind nil. Yeah. So uh, what I had this week, kind of the big news coming out of the NFL was. Uh, they're now going to enforce this rule pretty heavily about withholding game checks if COVID-19 cancellations with unvaccinated players, uh, if, if unvaccinated players who get COVID-19 cause a game to be canceled and can't, can't be make up within the 19-week schedule. Caused a lot of, a, a bit of a rift on Twitter. You saw, you know, players on their own teams arguing with each other. Um, Cole Be- Beasley and I think Stefan Diggs were out there arguing on Twitter. So love to see that. Um, and then, you know, you kind of look at the union from the union point of view, you're just like, well, Hey, what, what are you guys doing here? And then the union was like, well, we kind of had our hands tied behind our back. Cause we, you, we kind of agreed to this last year, but now it's kind of a big deal because they're implementing the vac- vaccinations all into it. So I want to get your guys' point of view, Nick, I kind of want to start with you on this one because from a player's point of view, when you hear this, like, I know that you obviously didn't play football and play in the NFL during a pandemic, but what are, what are you thinking about this? Like if you hear like some of your teammates could cost you your game check. Okay. So like personally, I, I believe that if, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you know, that's your choice. You know, that is a hundred percent your choice. You know, however you got that information that you don't believe in it, it's your thing. You don't believe in it. You know, I, I believe this country is great because you have that choice. You know, you have a choice and you can make that choice. Now NFL is your job. Right. That's how you get fed. There are 52 other people, plus coaches, plus a whole working staff who are dedicated to making sure that that you win games. And so everyone's got a role to play. So it's like it's not like a, a, a life choice here. Like we're not talking about, hey, this is, you know, whatever it's it, it is. But it's like, man, you are a part of a system. You are part of a team. It's one of the last true team sports where you need top to bottom or just talking about Tyron Matthew adding to Mahomes, right? It's a team sport. It's a completely team sport, right? You need that bottom half. The rasher will help you win championships along with the top half. And you know what, man, <laughs> whether you believe it or don't, you got to get, you got to get the vaccination because it's like, you know, if, if, if you get that test, you know, then you're, you're going to have to, and you're going to miss a game. I'd be, I'd be pissed. If, if I was on your team, I'm like, oh, you did not? And you're, you you tested positive? You know, and it's it's like, I feel like you let me down. It, it's to me, to me personally, it would be the equivalent of if you went drinking the night before a game and got into an accident before a game. And it's like, so it's a job. Other people are relying on you. And if you don't want to do it, don't play. And that's fine. If, if you have enough money, or if you can make do with whatever money you've saved up and, and you, you don't want to get vaccinated because, you know, all these stricter rules don't. And that's fine. And don't play. That's fine. Don't. Or guess what? If you don't get vaccinated, sit at your house and quarantine or go run an apartment and just quarantine, you know, just stay wherever. But then at the same time, I, I look at this, too. 
uh, a negative or a positive test is, isn't reflective of a vaccine also. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the tricky part too. I mean, my, my mother just had the Delta variant. She's vaccinated and she caught COVID and she, her symptoms were a lot lighter than they were when I caught it. And she didn't have COVID before she had the vaccine. She never had caught it. Um, I had, and I know that she, her symptoms were a lot less because she had the vaccine um, and the new variant that's coming out. But I think you brought up a great point. And the one thing that Nick, you didn't mention with the COVID and the vaccine and all this NFL owners lost money last year. Like there's no other way to say it that they lost money. They're not dicking around this year. They're not going to have some player who, Nick, you bring up a great point that it is absolutely your right to say, I don't have to get vaccinated. And it's absolutely the right of an employer to say, if you're not going to do this, I can do this. They are not messing around. That's why yep. I tweeted out the NFL chose violence to pin <laughs> players against their teammates on money. It is one thing to do it on narratives and media and rumors and crap and all that. You start talking about money, like in players and holding each other accountable. Yes. You see things like you do with the bills. And I told everybody, I was like, I, I don't know the stories. not going to pretend to, but the PR staffs across the NFL that deal with like the real things happening inside the locker room could not have loved that news coming yes. out saying we are going to have to deal with this because the first time these players can get asked about it now, but the first time something happens, they're all going to get a camera shoved in their face. Like, do you think your player is being selfish or they took money out of your hands? I'm going to be fascinated to know who is the player that they're talking to, because there are a handful of players. You take a game check out of some of these veterans hands. It's a little bit different than taking a game check out of a rookie's hands. And I don't know if they're going to split all that up or how that works, but you were talking about something at a level of real that doesn't get put into the media a lot as far as like real conversations in the locker room, it's, it, it could be a different deal, but I think it all stems to NFL owners lost money last year and they're not going to let COVID or players making the decision not to do it. They're not going to do any, they're not going to allow any risk to their money because of what happened last year and that they're hurting in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to pretend that they lost, they still made a ton of money. Like it's a really expensive business to run. No one's pretending that they didn't. And they got hurt last year. Uh, and a lot of teams really took care of their employees and did a lot of things they didn't have to. Uh, and a lot of those great stories came out. But uh, the other part of this, um, when you talked about Nick, about players getting vaccinated, Chad Speck um, was Eric Berry's agent, Laurent Duvernay Tardif's agent, owns an agency, um, came out on Twitter and said like, you know, the other part of this that you're not hearing is these fringe NFL roster guys that are on teams right now. He had a guy that a team was calling about and the team asked if he was vaccinated and he said no. And then they said, OK, and they hung up like they didn't sign that guy where if you're an unvaccinated free agent player, you're probably not going to get picked up because they're literally bringing in a risk on a player who's already iffy to make the roster because you're a free agent, you know, a week into training camp. Like, unless you're a veteran who's holding out because, A, they won't sign you until after week one, so your contract's not guaranteed as a veteran, or you just didn't want to do all the workouts and you just don't want to go to training camp until like a week before and you're that good. So there's probably a couple of players that are in that boat too. But um, anyway, those are all the things that I wrote down. NFL violence, Chad Speck, and then NFL lost money, the important nice. things. But guys, now it's my turn for the last segment. We're going to go a little more lighthearted. Uh, then your two segments regarding players making money and uh, big businesses taking away players' money from NIL to NFL. Like college players make money. When you get to the NFL, they take it away if you don't get vaccinated. All right. Yeah. And the final segment, best tailgating stories. 
So Nick, you played football a lot. So I'm curious to know what your tailgating stories are. Uh, but so Tucker, we're going to start with you and this can be yeah. chiefs. This can be college. This can be anything, but I want an anecdotal story of your best tailgate experience of a story that you're willing to share. Wait, Tucker, Tom, did, did you share your blind nail? Okay. Did I miss that? On, on just the, no, I mean, I just think on the COVID-19, yeah, just players need to be vaccinated. I think the NFL was, no. was showing their hand early about that, right? With all the rules that they had to implement and saying, oh, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're unvaccinated, you gotta, you gotta wear a mask. And then you also have to stay away from everyone you love forever. <laughs> um, so like they were, they kind of showed their hand early on that. And I think that, that this kind of came as a surprise, but at the same time, Oh, wasn't really that big of a surprise, but I will go into my, into my tailgate. Sorry story. to rush you. Sorry to rush yeah. you. I looked at the time and I'm like, Hey, we got to get it going. That's We're right. at 30. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Long show. My tailgate story is probably way more fun than me talking about COVID-19 vaccines. Right. Um, so there's no joke. Northwest there. Missouri state <laughs> is where <laughs> I went to school. Um, I didn't go to any of these big schools. K-State didn't go, didn't go there. But the tailgate environment was much different at Northwest Missouri State than it probably was, well, it was in Columbia because I went to tailgates for Mizzou and stuff like that. Um, one of my uh, fond memories, uh, this wasn't me, but at, at every tailgate for Northwest, one guy would always get very intoxicated and try to do a backflip. Um, he, he was known to do this at every tailgate. He would try to do a backflip every time. He never got it, never landed the backflip, but he would like do it off, off of tables, off of trucks, off of, um, all kinds of stuff. But that's, that's one of my memories is he did it off of a truck onto a table and, and went belly first through the table, kind of Bill's mafia style. Um, but yeah, I know that's, that's not very exciting for like me. I wouldn't ever do that. I don't think cause I would hurt myself, but um that's that's the most fond memory i have about college tailgating we're so, gonna try it. one of our tailgates tailgate? you're gonna every try to tailgate? do a backflip every tailgate no. every every tailgate every week, to... every week yes. every... and it was every no weekend. right and would it be like hey i'm gonna get boozed up and then i'm gonna do this tail i'm gonna do this backflip yep he's like this is the week i'm gonna land it this is i'm I gonna land it, it. You still, it do you think can you contact that guy to this day and we're gonna invite him out to our chief's tailgate and we're gonna see if he he can figure it out Maybe yeah, we can give him some like training. Maybe we can make it a thing. Give him some training. Try to get yeah, him to spot out. him. Spot, yeah, behind him. spot him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think I think I'm connected with him on LinkedIn. So maybe that would oh, be a fun little LinkedIn. Nice and classy. Nice and business <laughs> business professional. Like, hey, remember when you just got drunk and tried to jump around? Like, we're gonna try to you know, sponsor that. Maybe come out and we'll give you some barbecue and some drinks. Who knows? So I'm, I'm going to your resume guys. here, and I hear here's you never landed a backflip. You know, go into that one, please. You know? <laughs> yep. BJ, what, what's your best tailgate, man? Um, the cheesy, cheesy example, I can't not say this. Uh, first, last year I was able to go to the New York Jets game with my family, uh, to the Chiefs game, and I was able to tailgate like with my kids for the first time, and they were absolutely loving it. You know, as a as a parent with like young kids, you always have these like really grand ideas and like go to the zoo and it's gonna be so great. And you get there and the fucking kids are miserable and they're it's like hot and they're screaming. It's like it feels like it's gonna be a good thing. And then when you get there, it's like it there was just hell's breaking loose all over the place. And anyone who has young kids knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. 
but that cheese game just because for whatever reason just meant a lot to me because i grew up going to the games with my dad and we had our like traditions that we did that i'm a very traditional type person so uh getting to go to that game uh for the first time with my kids and they were a hundred percent into it and they had a great time that will always be like probably my most memorable tailgate because it was the first time i got to go but dude when we nick when you were playing at k-state like we didn't know each other then but that first year uh, that I was at K State, which was the year that we won the Big Twelve in football. That I say oh, we, oh, <laughs> the year that you yeah. won the Big. I oh, can say three. we as a K State thing, but you did, like because I wasn't playing. So it feels weird to say we when I'm talking to somebody who's on the team. <laughs> we as in <laughs> K State fans, but when the dynamic changes when you're in here because like you were an All American on that team. Uh, but anyway, I will say that that year was my first year at K State. The year you guys won it. Uh, because for the baseball team, I transferred up or I had transferred with coach Hill. So he was the baseball coach who went up there. He was trying to kind of get the program to kind of understand how he wanted to run things. So we were running at like 6am, five days a week in the fall. He wanted to figure out who wanted to be there, who didn't want to be there. And the best way he knew he knew how to do it was just run us into the ground. So we would go run stairs at like the, at Bramlage at like Wednesdays in the morning and we were doing one tens and distance run. Like we did all this crap. Like we were freaking track team. It was not making us a better baseball team, but mentally it quite literally can't do it now because of the way the NCAA changed rules about scholarship guys in, in the fall. And then you cut them because it's a long story for a different podcast, but we would have guys that would have like a pink slip in their locker in the middle of the fall. And they were getting cut from the baseball team, which doesn't happen for like a college baseball team. Yeah. These are like walk-ons or guys that were like invited in for the fall. And you'd have these like fall practices and you'd have like 24 pitchers that were there that first year. So you'd be running every day at 5. AM. And in the afternoon you would come in like inner squad or you'd come and play. And then a couple kids would have like pink slips in their lockers and like Damn. they're gone. And you're just like, Holy cow. Like this is legit. Well, during that whole mess, I always felt pretty comfortable because I had transferred with the coach. <laughs> so did like my roommate. So like we were the two guys, like, I feel like I'm going to make the team. Um, but it was still miserable. But yeah. Saturdays, the whole point, the only time that we could do anything social were like Saturdays because we were so tired Friday morning from running and practice and everything that we just pass out and we would go to bed early on Fridays because Saturday was like our time to like drink Sundays you're getting ready. Cause you run Monday morning. So you had like one day to party in college. It was the first fall up there. The the football team was freaking awesome. So it was like, Hey, we're going to get up. We're going to be the first in line for the football tailgates and the baseball team. Like we were an absolute mess and probably had a terrible reputation. Cause like these guys are just crazy. It was the only time that we could do anything. And so like we made a big point uh, to go all out at those tailgates um at k-state and i'll always remember that because those are the times that i remember like hanging out with the team and the guys the most were doing a lot of that stuff than some of the games so uh i will never forget those tailgates along with the family last year nick what do you have for as far as tailgating stories that you want to share with all of us you know what's funny i don't have a lot of tailgating stories because obviously i never got to do it in college i never did in nfl when i was playing <laughs> that, that's how you get fired from your job <laughs> Sneaking out and like yeah, hanging correct. out with the fans. <laughs> exactly. But to, to me, man, uh, I just love, to me, it was like the, you know, coming in on game days when I was playing, right? I'm like focused, but I could still smell everything. And I love that. And to me, it was like, I think it was shoot, 2012. We moved back up to, or moved to Kansas from uh, Kansas City from Phoenix and, and got to go to my first K-State tailgate. 
And I was like, just like, I felt like, like an alien that had just been, been dropped into the middle of this insane, just, just craziness. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh, so this is what you bastards have been doing, you know, while, while we're- It's a whole world. It is. It's a whole world out there. Mm -hmm. And and, and yeah, and, and I, and I finally- got to the point where I was like, okay, now I see why people bitch about 11 o'clock kickoffs. Like I get it. You're <laughs> yes. It is shitty tailgate. I don't want to wake up early, you know, and have to tailgate, you know? And I'm like, those yeah. three o'clock kicks are money. Like exactly. I'd rather have a three o'clock kickoff than like even a prime time. Like you, you don't have to get up super early, but you're still out there. You can have lunch, you can have breakfast on the way. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a perfect setup. Nick, the best thing though, when you guys were playing, the way that like they had the student athlete like section next to the student section over by like, you know what I'm talking about? That little yeah, area over there. Yeah. 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 yeah student athletes, we would always send the freshmen on the baseball team in like an hour before kick, they would come and tailgate and they'd be hanging out. But the freshmen were always sent to save the first two rows of the student athlete section. So they'd be hanging out. We'd walk in like during kickoff. We, all the upperclassmen would get to the first two rows and freshmen would have to go to the back and then we'd just oh, no. be like, oh, like right at kickoff. Up. We'd be like, Hey, what's going on? And then we'd be right in the front <laughs> to harass the other team's cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> I didn't out. Surprising enough, but uh, my friend yeah, right? spent a lot of time yelling at the male cheerleaders of the other team. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And I'm getting a look from my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, who knows I'm telling the truth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she, yeah. But sorry, yeah, Megan, so I'm telling the story, but she was on the volleyball team at K State. So the whole time she was in season when we were out of season. Oh. So like she would have a game, like, out of state, like she, they'd be in Nebraska or they go play Oklahoma or something. And she'd come back on like a Saturday after playing a volleyball game. And we, one day we got to like hang out and party a lot during the fall. Um, <laughs> not the first year at K-State, but it was still kind of the same deal where in season, out of season and then vice versa. So yeah, that is some no, fun I, stuff. Yeah. That, it's I think it's a great experience. I think it's one of the cool things. Like it makes the games more special to know that like, and I have friends now who live down the street from me and they are like, I've been with them to chiefs games and they have like their car packed, like, like Tetris, right. Where you get a four clear and a four. Right? It's, it is a system where they, they come in, they, they have the, the pass in between the stadiums, right. The gold pass. And it's, I love it, man. And it's, it's awesome. And people can go. And the thing about taking is cool is you can go big as hell, or you can bring a six pack, you know, it's like, it's, it's whatever. And it's everything in between. And I think that's, what's right. cool about Arrowhead. Before we wrap it up, Tucker, what's your favorite chiefs tailgating story? Cause I have one last thing I'm going to share for anyone who's listening that really follows chiefs news might find this kind of funny, but what last thing do you got for us? I can just remember uh, my girlfriend Tara bought me tickets to uh, the Raiders game. It was in December. So Patrick Mahomes set the the fifty touchdown, five thousand yards, and so we were at that game. We went early, uh, and we just walked around to different tailgates, just walking around from people's different tailgates, seeing how they're all set up, so different, smelling all the food, just like being around people who also cheer for the same team as you do is just like an exhilarating experience, and just to just all that, it's like a tangible energy almost that you can feel just coming from like the different tents, the different trucks, the different um, hatchbacks you got open up and just seeing how everyone does it is, is pretty cool. And just seeing all these people from 
all over the place, just meshing over Chiefs football. I think it's kind of cool. It doesn't matter where you come from, but you both love the Chiefs. So that, that was pretty cool. Every week during the season before home, the Friday press conference before home Chiefs game. Every it's called Fast Friday. Coach Reed during the season, his Friday press conferences last maybe two and a half minutes. If it lasts three minutes or longer, he's very unhappy. Uh, and the reason why is that he has a certain amount of time that he has dedicated towards media. And on Fridays, he doesn't just do press conferences. Then he goes and does the production meetings for the TV broadcast. It's during the same window of time. If you want an insight into what's happening, as soon as he's done with that press conference, he walks into a studio and sits down with Al Michaels or whoever's Chris Collins or whoever's doing the game that week. Those people and the director and producer for the TV broadcast are sitting in rooms waiting for him to sit down to fire a bunch more questions off him that he doesn't want to answer. And he will not answer um, about like who's injured, who's playing, who's not playing, all that kind of stuff. And then the players go in there and that's when they do the production meetings. Well, every Friday I would ask coach a marketing question that was for like the tune in messaging for like the hype videos they would do. I'd always ask something to the effect of, Hey coach, what do you expect the crowd to be like, you know, Sunday at the game? <laughs> it's like six years of every Friday. I ask him the same question, just getting to talk. Oh, the crowd's going to be this and the yada, yada, yada. And every time I did it, the media would just kind of like snarl, like, Oh, the team guy asking the softball question or it just kind of became a thing. Uh, but one particular time I did it, uh, my good friend Therese Baylor was standing right in front of me when I asked. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, coach kind of smirked. Therese, who's standing right in front of me, just kind of looks over his shoulder, looks at me, and just kind of starts giggling. And I look at him. We both start laughing. Coach notices, stops mid-answer, and goes, it's okay to throw softballs, BJ. <laughs> just like <laughs> on camera live. And I was just like... Thanks, coach. <laughs> but all that's to say, the other thing that made me really nervous when it comes to tailgating is that coach a couple of times during Friday pressers joked about the the people that would always be there at like four o'clock in the morning on a noon Sunday game when he would get to the park and they'd be making cheeseburgers and they never had one for him. So I was always terrified to ask him because once he said that one time, it became like a cool little thing. And then every Friday I was nervous saying, wonder what kind of mood coach is in. Should I ask him if he got that cheeseburger or is he going to look at me like that stupid question, BJ, don't ever ask me that again. You're fired. Like go home. Like <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to react to, but I still don't know to this day if he ever got that cheeseburger, but what he's talking about is that people will get to Arrowhead at like four o'clock in the morning and set up their tailgates outside of the ticket booths before the stadium is even open. And they will tailgate for like three or four hours before they get in. Coach Reed will drive past those people like 4 a.m. and hand a cheeseburger. And every time I asked the question also, I would look at the director of security, who's the one with him at 4 a.m., knowing that he's got a bunch of random fans that I've invited over to offer cheeseburgers to the fans. So he's like, BJ, stop doing that. People are coming over here. I'm going to mess with this at 4 o'clock. Things that you don't think about on the outside, like I asked the question, I got security mad at me. So anyway, it never happened. I'm curious who ever got that cheeseburger, though. Nick, do you think you ever got it? Uh, I think he did. I think someone had some former restaurants like, Hey, let will make you a, a little plate. He likes town topic. He's talked about it before. And you know, guys, you know what we love? I love Jack town stack. Topic. Jack stack barbecue. That's right. Tucker. And this episode was brought to you by Jack stack. We appreciate everybody for listening again. We will have another episode and it will be after our launch party again this Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. in Weston, Missouri. Make sure you're there. It does not cost you anything to go to that. 
And if you like this episode, you like what we're doing at KC Sports Network, go to kcsportsnetwork.com. Check out our merch store, buy a t-shirt, buy a hoodie. We've got some day one gear that's up right now for a limited time only. You buy that, you wear it to one of our parties, of which we will have a lot. You will get taken care of is the way that we are describing it. But we appreciate all you for listening. For Nick Leckie, Tucker Franklin, I'm BJ Kissel. We appreciate you listening for Outside the Trenches, presented by our good friend Jack Stack. We will see you next time.